Good morning, everybody. Uh, yeah, many of you know me. I'm Jason. I'm the pastor at the Balfour Covenant Church. For those of you who maybe I'm seeing for the first time, uh, I'm glad to be here and to be um, bringing the word of God for you today. Um, a couple weeks ago, Jeff and I, we were talking about uh, switching Sundays so that we could take a turn in each other's church. Dan, I'm not sure I'm hitting the button, but it's not. Is it ready, yeah? Okay. Let me try Okay. Okay. Um, I might be pushing the wrong button, though. That's always a possibility. Um, so we want to talk some about discipleship. Uh, Jeff and I were thinking, you know, it's the season of Lent, and so um, talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, and Jeff was saying, and you know, Jason, or you talked about, about splitting up into two parts. The first is the heart, the part where, you know, the, the devotion when you are connected with Jesus and you feel it and devotions are easy and you can't wait to do it every morning and you can't wait to come on Sundays. And so Jeff wanted to take that part. I'm gonna be talking some about the other side of that, the, the discipline part or the will part. When we have to keep choosing, when uh, getting up in the morning and doing a devotion, you think about five other things you'd rather do or Sunday morning feels like, you know, I come, but I'm not sure if I'm connecting. And so I wanted to take that part of um, discipleship about the part of following Jesus faithfully day after day, even when it's not easy. This is the big question I started wondering about as I was studying this week. And you know, how do we stay close to Jesus? How do we stay close to him when things are good, right? Uh, when you have that mountaintop experience, when something amazing happens, you have an amazing uh, Sunday morning or you go to a retreat and you are excited and you can't wait, like you can't wait for the next time to pray or read scripture. Like those are great times. How do we stay in that place? Um, but also too, uh, truth be told, I'm kind of interested too, especially this morning, in how do we stay close to Jesus when we don't feel close to Jesus? What do we do in that situation? Do we just keep praying and hope it gets better? Um, or do we just kind of say like, you know, maybe this is as good as it gets. Maybe I had that first like come to faith experience and now I just sort of, keep doing my best to do the right thing until I die? Is that what we're left with? Um, well, or, you know, do we, what sort of discipleship, how do we keep getting this blessing? How do we keep following Jesus in this? I wonder if any of you have ever asked those questions. Maybe not quite the same way, but have any of you ever asked, you know, found yourself wondering, how do I stay close to Jesus? Or, I don't feel very close right now, how do I get closer? Anybody have that question once, twice, no? Maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> um, that's why I love the word of God, actually. Um, we're gonna get into it this morning. Uh, I didn't realize it, but Jeff, uh, in, your, in your normal uh, uh, bulletin, there's some sermon guides. I also made my own and brought it. It's very similar, so you get uh, double this week. You get a bonus. You get a couple different questions, a couple different ways of looking at uh, this passage. So, if you'd like to open that up, there's space to take notes, um, and we'll start digging into this. But I love, this is one of the reasons I love about God's word, is that not only is it God's word for us and shows us who God is, but it's also relevant for our lives right now. There's meaning for us in God's word by studying it even today. Not just things about history 2,000 years ago about Jesus, but things that apply to us today and continue to teach us how to draw closer to Jesus. All right, so let's get into this. Yeah, I don't know, it's not, it's not working. Did I do that one or did you just do that one? Okay, maybe I'll just ask you to help. I'll try it, okay. Um, so, 
and this is funny. Uh, in Balfour, actually, the, we have one that points that way and one that points this way, so I'll just be reading it up here. And ours are bigger, too. Uh, sorry, is that, can everybody see that? <laughs> yes, okay, sorry. It's, <laughs> this is way bigger in Balfour. Um, <clears throat> all right, so... Um, So I'll just read this. Uh, One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, so this first part's pretty straightforward. I mean, Jesus is gathering a crowd. This is still early in his ministry. For those of you who have read Luke's gospel, chapter five is still pretty early. Uh, and these is, things are just getting started here in Galilee. Um, but the interesting thing I want you to take a look at, Dan, if you could hit one more time, is just focus on Simon as we work through this story. All right, this is Simon Peter, or Peter as we often call him in the church. This is one of Jesus' first and one of his top disciples, the guys that he, one of the guys he was really pouring into, mentoring and teaching. And Peter goes on to become a great leader in the church, but this is his first experience with Jesus. So watch how he responds. All right, so first of all, this is sort of a small ask, right? So he's a fisherman, he's got a boat, it's, it's there on the beach, and this teacher comes to him and says, hey, you know, there's a crowd gathered around, and he says, okay, hey, can you put out a little bit because they're crowding around, I'm having a hard time teaching them, can you put out into the water a little bit so I can speak to them? Now, we read this, and if you've read scripture a lot or even a little bit, it's really easy just to blow through this story, right? Because there's, you know, there's, there's tons of stuff here, but you kind of have to pay attention to it. So first of all, um, think if, like, what... What hundred reasons could Peter have come up with why he wouldn't put the boat out? Anybody, like any thoughts? Just, anybody wants, you can share. This is interactive if you'd like. <laughs> any thoughts? Why might Peter not want to put a boat out right now? Tired. Right, tired. Yeah, we're going to find out in a minute. He's actually been fishing all night. Um, there's a hundred reasons. One, like he's busy, you know, talking about cleaning their nets, like they're doing stuff right now. Um, or even two, I mean, this is one that, you know, is, even happens in our culture where, you know, I kind of don't want to get involved. You know, there's lots of people around. I can see you're kind of like a, you know, people are, have all sorts of different ideas about you. I don't know if I want to be associated with you. Maybe can you pick somebody else's boat? There's a hundred different reasons why Peter might not put his boat out right now. But so far, Peter obeys. And then once the crowd dies down, Jesus asks for more. Dan, can you hit it one more time? When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Okay, now things are getting more interesting here, okay? So here's Jesus. Um, You know, Peter has no idea about his fishing background. We know that he's a son of a carpenter. Um, So probably, you know, he's here telling a fisherman, hey, trust me, and let's put out for some more uh, fishing again. So Dan, if you can hit it one more time. So Simon answered him, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Okay, when you first think about it, there's a lot going on here. First, this has really upped the ante, okay? This has gone beyond just, hey, can I sit in your boat while I teach? You know, easy, just put it out for me a little bit and make sure I don't flip it over and drown. Into, hey, let's take your boat out again. As Simon points out, he's already been fishing all night at the best time to be fishing on the lake. Um, not only that, if you could hit it one more time, Dan. It says here, like, um, while they were washing their nets. So 
I don't know if you've ever like been all out, been out all night fishing or even out for a while fishing or doing anything for a while, then you come in and you have to clean up afterward. How eager are you to go right back out and dirty everything again? <laughs> Not very eager, no. So you can imagine these guys, they've been fishing all night, they're tired. The nets, they have to clean them. And who knows, like maybe they just started or maybe they're just about done. And Jesus says, hey, um, I know you just cleaned those, but let's go fishing again. Now, here's the thing. He wants to go fishing right in the middle of the day, which is not a great time anywhere to go fishing. Um, I was reading in one of the commentaries, they said that these nets were probably, um, um, oh, I can't remember the type of material they were. Anyways, the point is, like, you could see them in the daylight. That's why they would fish at night, because you couldn't see the netting. Like, the fish couldn't see them as well. And so when you go in the middle of the day, the sun's shining down, the water, it's easier to see the net, the fish swim around it. So he's basically saying, like, trust me on this. And Peter is thinking in his mind, like, you have no idea what you're talking about, because this isn't going to work. Not only that, but they had just failed miserably. Dan, if you could hit it one more time. And again, um, hit it one more time. Yeah, they've been out all night. And then one more time, Dan. And they haven't caught anything. Okay, these are pro fishermen. This is their livelihood. They have caught nothing at all. And so the prospect of taking out these freshly clean nets in the middle of the day, back out when they've just been out all night and they're tired and they've failed miserably, to do it again, no doubt seems like a royal waste of time to Peter. But watch what he says. Dan, if you can hit it one more time. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Jesus keeps asking Peter and Peter keeps saying yes. Because you say so, I'll do it. Despite every inclination to stop, Peter keeps following. Despite every reason why he should stop, everything inside of him that's saying, this is a waste of time, what am I doing? He keeps following Jesus. Okay, so Dan, hit him one more time. <clears throat> so, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. All right, so Jesus came through with a huge haul of fish. I don't know if you've ever seen those fishing shows like on Discovery Channel. Anybody here ever seen those? Like catch, yeah, dangerous catch, all that stuff. Um, so some, it's true that some fishermen, they're in it just for the money. They hate fishing, they hate water, but they're just there because they make tons of money. But as you watch those shows, most of the fishermen there they also really love to catch fish. Okay, so it's the money is great, they love it, but also too, they love to catch fish. So not only has Jesus put them into a fortune of fish for their day, like this is a fortune. They've like hit it big. Um, and they're probably like laughing and jumping up and down, like trying to pull all these fish in. So not only that, but he's also made them local fishing legends. Right, has anybody ever here, like anybody here fish a little bit? Yeah, like I fished some, you know, like in Balfour and they have some, they have like the Gillen gift. Like they have pictures of the guys. And actually, one of the guys from the Balfour church sent me a picture this morning of a giant bull trout he caught um, out here on the lake. Like fishermen love to catch fish and they just hu caught this huge catch. So not only are they rich, but they're famous. All right? So listen to this. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. All right? 
And as other came, as other came and brought their boat, so they had two boats, they both start sinking from all the fish. Imagine the strands of the net snapping as they're trying to pull the fish in. The guys wrestling in the boats, they're wrestling these big nets of fish in. They're laughing. They're probably high-fiving each other if they did that back then. They're excited. And they pull them onto the boats. And then they start watching the boats as the boats start to fill up with water from the weight of the fish. They boats, the boats start to sink. This is a powerful image of God's provision, of God's overwhelming, abundant provision. All right? Now watch what Simon Peter does. Dan, if you could hit one more time. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished. That's an understatement. Astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee's, Simon, Simon's partners. So Peter realizes that Jesus is more than just another prophet. He realized, as he realizes who Jesus is, it makes Peter realize who he is. Let me say that again. As, Jesus, or sorry, as Peter realizes who Jesus is, it makes him realize who he is. He falls at Jesus' knees, and Dan, if you could hit it, he says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. This realization of where he fits with Jesus. At this moment, Peter shows this pure humility and this honest assessment of himself. But watch how Jesus responds. Dan, hit it. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Jesus speaks grace to him and identity. First, he speaks grace. He says, don't be afraid. Because Peter's probably starting to realize that this guy, that Jesus, is amazing. And that's scary. And so Jesus says, don't be afraid. This is sheer grace. As Peter realizes all the stuff that separates him from God, Jesus says, don't be afraid. And he also says this thing too. He says, from now on, you will catch people. He's given him a new vocation, a new purpose, a whole new life. Again, I'm thinking of the shows I've seen of fishermen. Actually, uh, this last summer, tracing the boys, I, my, tracing our two sons, we went fishing with one of the guys from our community, uh, Real Adventures. Um, so we went fishing at the coast. And fishermen, uh, they, they are, it's some, for some it's a job, but for most it is an identity. Like, I am a fisherman. And so Jesus has just taken Peter, who he has and just given him, making him, made him a local legend for the amount of fish he's brought in. He's just said, you know what? You're not a fisherman anymore. From now on, you will be fishing for people. He's given him a new identity. To which Peter and the guys respond with staggering faithfulness. Dan, if you could hit it. Um, so it says, then Simon said to him, oh, sorry, uh, so they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. So these guys have become legends. They're fortunate, they're rich. Everything was breaking their nets and sinking their boats and they pull it up to the beach and do they take it to the market and say, thanks Jesus, we'll see you later? No. They walk away from all of it and follow Jesus. 
So this is like this short little story. I mean, often we just think about, oh, this is a great example of how the disciples followed Jesus despite the amazing catch of fish. But there's so much here for us to understand in terms of what it means to become a follower of Jesus. And also for all of us in this room, how do we keep following Jesus? Peter gives us this great example to follow. And for those of you who have read scripture a bit, Peter isn't always a great example. (laughs) In fact, a lot of times he's a very bad example. But in this story here, he gives us a great model. Dan, if you could hit, uh, hit it one more time. Yes, okay. So, first Peter shows us how to keep saying yes. Uh, God honors obedience, and this story is no different. When we keep saying yes, it keeps putting us in the place to receive God's blessing, to receive God's best. Now, this happens in life in general, but especially when we start talking about discipleship, about following him. Because if we're going to wait until we feel like getting up in the morning before everything else to read the Bible and pray, it may never happen. Or it may happen for a little while and then fall off and then for a little while and fall off. But if we keep saying yes, keep putting ourselves in that place to connect with God, he will honor that. The next thing too, Dan, he says, um, thing that I, that I don't know if you noticed it here, but Peter gets real. <clears throat> when he sees who Jesus is, he falls at his knees and says, I am a sinful man. And it's easy to overlook this part of the story or just chalk it up, oh, like, well, wow, Peter had this amazing moment of, of repentance. But when you think about it, it's actually Peter's humility and his honesty about himself that keeps him close to Jesus. Because he could have said, you know what? I, I know who you are and I can't be, I don't want any part of it. But he falls at Jesus' knees. I mean, he does literally say, like, get away from me. Like, stay away from me. You don't realize how bad I am. But that's precisely what draws Jesus in. That's the door opening for Jesus, for the grace to pour in. Sometimes we think about that. We think like, oh, you know what? Like, I've, I've fallen off. Like, there's these things that I struggle with, a particular sin or sins that I struggle with, and right now I am losing. And so the last thing I feel like I can do is talk to God. And that is exactly the wrong answer. That when things are going wrong for us, when we are losing, when we are failing at the things we know that separate us from God, whatever that sin might be, whether it's addiction, whether it's greed, whether it's anger, whatever it might be, when we feel those things starting to separate us from God, that's when we need to come back to him. That's when we need to fall at his knees and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm I'm a sinful person. It opens the door for God's grace to come in. If we are unwilling to repent, it becomes almost impossible for us to receive God's grace. So if we won't humble ourselves and speak honestly with him, there's not much God can do with that. Peter's repentance makes it easy for God, for Jesus, to connect with him, to work in him. And then, yeah, when, and then when the blessing comes, Peter leaves it all behind to follow Jesus again. Too often we get hung up on the blessing. You know, whether it's material blessings, I mean, there's some um, Christians who will tell you, you know, if you are faithful to God, then God will bless you with wealth and health. 
God will make you rich and God will make you, all of your problems disappear if you'll just keep being faithful. You know, some people experience that. But a lot of us, when we are faithful, we still go through hard things and it's not easy being a disciple of Jesus. But I was thinking about it this week that sometimes we start to think like that in terms of, in terms of our relationship with Jesus. That, oh, if I am faithful, it will always be easy. And I don't think that's true. I don't think we actually grow as disciples if that were true. But I see it sometimes when people start chasing a worship experience. You know, it can sound really faithful, but people are like, oh no, I'm going to the new church because I go there and the worship is so amazing. It makes me see, feel so close to God. And then like a couple months later, you're talking to them like, oh no, I'm at a new place because that worship there makes me feel so amazing. You know, it's not really about your experience in worship. It's about praising God. I say that to encourage you and to bless you because some of you have been a part of this church for a long time. And I wouldn't be surprised if you're thinking like, you know, maybe not every Sunday do you have this amazing worship experience. I'd be surprised if you said yes to that. But coming faithfully keeps the door open for God to work in your lives. Even if the songs that we sing or the ways that we pray or the words that the preacher says, even if they don't connect or even if they rarely connect, God honors that faithfulness. Jesus blesses us when we follow him. It's good for us to savor the blessings, to savor those mountain high moments, those moments, those, that week when we come back from the spiritual retreat and we just can't get enough of Jesus, to savor that. But to not dwell on that, to not begin chasing the experience instead of chasing Jesus. You see what I'm saying? That we keep following him. So this has some implications for us, um, whether we are new Christians or whether we've been following Jesus for decades. And I was thinking about this in terms of this week, in terms of life as a series of revivals. Oftentimes we think of discipleship as something like this line. Uh, that sometimes we assume that faith will be easy or we get the idea that being a Christian, once you become a Christian, then everything is just up and to the left. Good. Always easy. Every day is a little bit better than the day before. That's not been my experience. And I suspect most people, most Christians will tell you it hasn't been theirs either. For most people, following Jesus is a series of revivals. These mountain highs and valley lows. Times when we feel amazing and close to Jesus, like we are growing and everything is good. And then there's times when we are praying and we feel like God is distant but we continue to follow him. We keep saying yes. We keep putting nets out in deep water, waiting for the catch. Thankfully, we're not left to just pray and hope it works out. There are things that we can do. There are ways that we as disciples can grow, whether we feel like it, whether it feels amazing, or if it just feels like a practice. There are things that we can do that keep us close to Jesus. One of them, so in terms of like personal devotion, one of them is reading the Bible. And there are a hundred different ways to read the Bible. You could read one passage over and over again and reflect on it as you read. 
You could study a particular passage. Some people love that and God speaks to them. I'm me in particular. I love to study, the, to read it in the Greek or the Hebrew and get and read what other New Testament scholars or Old Testament scholars have written about it. I see things about God as I do that. For some of you, it might just be reading whole portions, like read like the whole Gospel of Luke all in one setting. All of these things are ways of reading scripture that appeal or fit with different sort of people, with um, ways that, that suit you or that, that speak to you. But whatever it is, read God's word. That's one of the things that Christians have done for centuries as a way to stay close or to keep close to Jesus. Another one is to pray. This one is, is foundational. That we keep praying. Even if we feel like we're talking to the ceiling, we keep praying. Even if it's a short prayer, we still set that time aside to pray. God will honor that. God will speak to us if we keep praying. Another one too is um, fasting. This is one that's not very popular in our culture, but Christians have been doing this for over 2,000 years. God speaks to people when they fast, whether it's a day or three days or more. Fasting is another great way to connect with God. Another one that's uh, more palatable but still not very popular, popular with how busy we are and all the things we plan is solitude. This is like fasting from busyness or fasting from um, being or surrounding ourselves with people and distractions is solitude, to sit quietly, to listen for what God is saying. These are personal things that we can do that will keep us close to Jesus, that will put us in the right place It's not a guarantee. It doesn't work like that. It's not like if you do these four things, I guarantee that Jesus will speak to you in 25 minutes. It's not like that at all. But if we keep doing these things faithfully, God will honor that. And we will be closer to Jesus and at some point, we will realize that he is close to us. It puts us in the right place. It's like letting down our fishnets. Even though we think like, you know what? I've been doing this all night and I'm exhausted and, then we were f- and it's failed miserably. But Jesus, because you say so, I'll do it again. We keep putting the nets down. So these are the personal devotions. There's also a sense of gathered devotions. One of them is uh, to gather on Sunday morning. And I feel this like as a pastor, like the last thing I want to do or one of the things I try not to do is to make people feel like you have, to come to on, you have to come to church to be a good Christian because that can lead in all sorts of wrong ways. We've seen um, that and it doesn't work out well where you'll have people who begrudgingly come on Sunday or who come on Sunday and then act like a non-Christian the rest of the week because they resent coming on Sundays. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying though is if you will come here on Sunday mornings faithfully It puts you in the right place to receive God's blessing, to receive or to understand that Jesus is close to you. See, we often go the other way around. We often think, you know, I don't feel like God's very close right now, so I don't think I'm gonna go to church. I think I'm just gonna go, you know, there's tons of snow. I think I'm gonna go hit the mountain today. You know, I don't feel God is close, and so I'm not gonna come. That's like the exact wrong thing to do if you want to be close to Jesus. It's when you don't feel close is to keep coming, to gather on Sundays with the rest of the church. Sometimes you hear it in the sermon. Sometimes you hear it in something, the song that we sang, or sometimes it's afterward while we're sharing coffee that someone says, hey, can I pray for you? And you realize that God is speaking to you through them. So gathering together as a church. 
Another one is to gather in small groups. This is one that's hard in our culture right now. People are so busy. I mean, I think about the nights that, like, this coming week, I think our family, we have three nights where Tracy, either Tracy and I will be out. And so getting in a small group becomes really hard, and you start thinking, like, oh, I don't know if I have time for that. It is one of the richest ways to grow as a Christian. Christians have been gathering in small groups for centuries. It is often the place where revival is born. It is often the place where personal revelation is born. Gathering in small groups is important and good, and it helps us stay close to Jesus. It puts us in the right place to hear from him, to realize how close he is. Next one is serving. Now, this is one is helpful, like for all of us to do it, to serve will help bring us closer. There will be things that we realize that, oh, Jesus is in this, and I sense God speaking to me. But there are some of you where this is special for you. This is like a spiritual gift that you have. There are some of you that serving is not just like, I do this because I know it's the right thing to do, but you do it, and when you do, you realize that God is delighting in you and that you are closer to Jesus. Serving is one of the ways that we can stay close to him. The last one is this, it's spiritual counsel. And this is, I try to get like a broad enough word. Sometimes it could be spiritual direction, which is where you have a meeting with a spiritual director and they talk with you about a particular situation or things in your life and they help you talk and discern it and pray. Something as specific as that, all the way down to a spiritual conversation with a friend. A friend who is there to just talk with you about life and faith over a cup of coffee and they say something to you that you realize that the Holy Spirit is speaking through them. You may might not even realize what they've said, and yet you do. This is another way that we can stay close to Jesus. Another way, another way that God can use, if we will have these practices, these are all things that God can use to show us that he is close to us or to draw us close to him again. Now, these are, there's a lot of things here. I mean, there's eight things. <laughs> if you want to, you can write them down. If you want, I can actually, maybe I could uh, send this to or email it as a, um, uh, this list if you'd like to check these out. Um, but these are things that we can do to stay close to Jesus. And I, this is my desire for you, for our church, is that we would keep growing in our faith in Jesus. Because no doubt, some of you are here this morning and you're thinking, man, this is not what I wanted to hear, but it is what I needed to hear. Some of you are here this morning and you're thinking like, it has been a long time since I have felt close to Jesus. And I want to say to you that God is faithful, that God loves you deeply, that he wants you to be close and to realize not that he has gone away and he comes back, but actually he's been close this whole time. I want to say this to some of you because you have this amazing relationship with God. Bless you. But I want you to stay close, to take that huge catch of fish you have of, of closeness and relationship with God and don't get fixated on that but keep following Jesus I want us as a church in Nelson in Balfour in the junction for all of us to continue growing closer to Jesus continuing to faithfully follow him to follow him when our heart when we think man I can't wait to do anything but pray and to follow him faithfully when it feels like it's the last thing on, on, on the world that we want to do this is what I want for you. This is what I want for us. This is the word of God this morning.
Amen.